Our uh, scripture reading this morning are Jesus' words from the Gospel of John, and um, they are a true tonic for the soul, and they are printed in your bulletin, and uh, I invite you to take a look at them, and we can read these words together. As Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Amen. Amen. So this morning we're going to talk about something that can seem trivial. But according to Jesus, it's one of the primary reasons for his entire ministry, and that is, as he said, so that we might have joy. You might go, really? <laughs> really? Wait a minute, you're saying... All this is so we could have joy? And the answer is no. That's not what I'm saying. That's what he's saying. But it's not joy as we might think of it, you know, like a fleeting pleasure. We take a bite of a candy bar or something and we go, oh, that's just good. And we feel kind of elated, you know, one moment or, you know, anything else um, that that might be just kind of fleeting and momentary. We're talking about something with depth and something that has lasting impact. Not a passing moment, but, but joy, complete joy as a state of being as we are walking through this world. Now, the Greek word for, for this that's been translated into English just as the word joy is kairo. And that's a word that has, has a, a larger presence and a larger fullness to it. You can take a look at this in your bulletins. It includes experiencing God's grace. That's big. What does that feel like to, to fully experience and live with God's grace? That includes things like the sense of ultimate well-being and contentment, and deep abiding peace, gratitude, elation, rejoicing without limits, without limits. How much can you take? <laughs> and it's also grounded in, in, a, in, a, in a base of contentment that has a reason for contentment. When I think about that, for one thing, I think, wow, that is fantastic. And you go, how do I get that? That would be wonderful. And then I think, you know, wait a minute. Our world has a lot of problems. And with all the serious things that are going on in that world, isn't saying that, that 
that having joy is so important, isn't that kind of trivial? Shouldn't we put that on pause until some more important things are addressed? And to that, the clear answer is also a no. You don't want to pass on this. Why don't you want to pass on this? Because if you did, then you would be passing on the method of how do you get there? What leads to that joy? And how you get there is the method that leads to this sense of resonating well-being. It's the very thing. How you get there is the very thing that the world needs the most. And that is, as Jesus put it, the way you get to this place is by loving everyone. Just as he loves us. And isn't that the very thing that would lift people out of their suffering? If you keep my commandments, he said, you will abide in my love. And I've said these things so that my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. Love one another, one another, as I've loved you. As Laura said, it's simple. And it's really profound. So number one, this is what God wants for us, for you to experience this complete joy, contentment, grounded euphoria as a way of being. And the way to get there is number two, the secret key by loving one another. This is something that's life-transforming, it's world-changing, and it's something that's good for all. So now, when we talk about this love and complete joy and and, and euphoria and grounded in this this action, some of you, depending on your backgrounds, depending on your experience with religion, your experience with Christianity, you might say, well, you know, this doesn't really sound like the kind of, uh, kind of Christianity that, that I know. It's a little too upbeat. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. And the reason is, it all depends on who you listen to. And what I mean is this. Uh, when I was in my first year in seminary, I was sitting in a church history class and we were studying St. Benedict. Now, St. Benedict has a lot of good qualities, otherwise he wouldn't have been a saint. He founded the Benedictine Order in 530, and we read a book that was called The Rule of St. Benedict, which is understood to be a Christian classic. And in this book, he detailed the discipline, the ingredients, and the path that it, that it takes to live a holy and a spiritual life. And this is what he wrote. And, you know, as I read this, the joy just about leaps off of every page. <laughs> Where he wrote, day by day, remind yourself that you are going to die. Hour by hour, keep careful watch over all you do. As soon as wrongful thoughts come into your heart, dash them against Christ. Speak no foolish chatter and do nothing to provoke laughter. (laughs) See, now with St. Benedict we're here. He says, do not love boisterous laughter. 
Every day with tears and sighs, confess your sins to God in prayer and change from these evil ways in the future. <laughs> I'm in my first year in seminary. And when I was reading this, I was thinking, am I in the right place? <laughs> and you know what? I was in the right place. And you are in the right place because even though that wasn't the message that has influenced, I mean, that was the message that has, has influenced so much of the posture and understanding that was embodied by the church for hundreds of years. And honestly, you know, it's still the thing that's, that's taught in some churches. At the time, you know, 530, there was just the Catholic Church. That was it. And he heavily influenced that body. But you have to say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is what he says. But does this sound anything even remotely like what Christ had to say that we shared this morning? About love and complete joy? And I thought, you know, if there's a difference between the words of a religious leader or even a religious body, between that and Jesus himself, who are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe? Right? Weirdly, a lot of the church went with St. Benedict as the ideal. And that's one of those things that's helped give Christianity a bad name. Because you say, just instinctually, where's the love? Where's the joy? Where's the freedom? Where's the connection? Abide in my love. That my joy may be in you. That your joy may be complete. He said, this is why I have said all these things. So point number one, what does God want? It doesn't get much clearer than that. Point number two, there is a method. Love one another. But in spite of that, point number three, sometimes Christianity has gotten that wrong. And you have to say that. Which leads to point number four. Which is, so what does it mean? What does it mean to love one another as God loves us. And this is where the beautiful work comes in. This is where rolling up your sleeves comes in, in a good way. Because while God wants for us this incredible joy and goodness and relief and peace and euphoric rejoicing, God wants this for everybody. And a lot of people don't want to let go of, of what we already know, what we already have, what we call my life. We don't want to let go of what's behind door number two, door number two that we know, in order to get what's behind door number one. We want to hold on to our stuff. We want to hold on to our notions of what I think is best for my life. 
And so sometimes we come face to face with people who need us to love them as God loves us. But sometimes things get in the way. Our politics can get in the way. What other people tell us we should be doing. And maybe that way is not so loving. Maybe that's different than what Christ would tell us to do. And so we choose which God will we worship. And because of that, sometimes what happens is that we trade this joy and we trade this love for power and control, for controlling what we know and keeping what we have. We come face to face with people who need us to love them as God loves us. And sometimes we want to hold on to things. We want to hold on to our money. And again, we choose which God we will serve and we get the requisite joy in return. This is not a judgment. This is describing what I'm pretty sure each one of us has has experienced many, many times in our life, and we've experienced this to be true. I have. I know what it feels like to see someone who's in need to feel that, and then to go like this. And I know what it feels like to, to know someone's need, to experience someone who needs me to love them as God loves me, and then to let it go and to offer that love. And I know what that feels like. It's a loving explanation of why aren't I more fully in this place of love and joy, and that's why. Door number one or door number two, the great thing is you can do something about it. So in a loving way, I invite you to look at your life to just how I described, you know, the experience that, that, that need in someone and you go, I don't know, I don't think, you know, I can really, and, and notice what that feels like. Notice what's going on inside of yourself. And then notice the other. And choose which would you rather be in as a state of being. And notice what's holding you back. If you want to be more open, if you want to be more loving, if you want to be freer, more relational, more patient, more kind, what's holding you back at those times? Not to judge it, to notice it. As we all know, every one of us here, myself included, we can only go so far with any of these things. And then at, something, at some point, there's something inside of us that says, hit the brakes. Hit the brakes. Slow down, pull back. Is it security? Is it fear of giving away the store? My God, if I start giving, I'm just gonna end up with nothing. Hit the brakes. 
Is it control of my time? You know, if I open myself more to, to this love, where's that going to lead? I mean, my God, I'm going to start volunteering for everything. <laughs> then what do I do? Is it wanting to be in control, not fully trusting that God will have my back? I've been there. I want my life to go in the direction that I want it to go in. I have my vision. Who knows where it's going to end up if I just start doing this loving thing all the time? I don't know where I'm going to end up. These are real predicaments. And so realistically, for 99.999% of us, it's a matter of degree, really. How far do we want to go? How far can we go? How much can we push that envelope of, of I, want, I want to open my heart a little bit more, a little bit more. I want to connect a little bit more. How much do you want to live in love and complete joy? A number of years ago, I came up with a two-step formula for success. <laughs> success in anything you do in two easy steps. Step one, know what to do. <laughs> Step two, do it. I have realized, by the way, that a lot of times, you know, I, I look at things and it's like, why isn't this working? And it really is because one of those two things. But sometimes when it comes to what is the loving thing to do, there are times when that's not always clear. Right? I want to be loving. What's the right thing to do? So there's, um, there's an exit off in 95 on my way to Home Depot, which would probably be many of your route too. And at the end of that exit, there's almost always a guy who's holding a sign. And it's asking for help. And sometimes it's a different person. And sometimes the message on the sign changes on that piece of cardboard. And sometimes they're in various states of being. And every time I see that person or anyone, it grabs me. What's the loving thing to do? Love others as God has loved you, Paul. Number one, know what to do. Number two, do it. So do I give? Sometimes, even though every director of every homeless shelter I've ever spoken to has says, don't ever give them money because there are programs. But, you know, and a lot of times those programs are full. So sometimes I, I do that anyway because I don't know what to do. Sometimes I've given toiletry kits that our youth group has made. Sometimes the light turns green before I can reach back and get it, and I keep going. Sometimes I don't have that in my car. Sometimes I've offered to give them a sandwich, or I just get them a sandwich. And sometimes they love it, and sometimes they reject it. But you know what? It raises my joy for trying doing something. 
Sometimes I've given them stop and shop cards and, and I know and I'm thinking, you know, as I, as I was writing this, I was thinking, you know, I, I think I'm going to go get a number of stop and shop cards and carry them with me because I think that that helps. And that's something that I can do. And that's something that would give me more joy. And I know it would give them more joy. Could I volunteer in a shelter? I could and I have. But then, you know, that's just one group of people in need. So how about the refugees? How about veterans? How about people who have just gotten out of prison and they need to get their feet on the ground? How about people who are depressed? And how about helping them? How about people who are suffering from PTSD? How about people who, whose loved one has just died? How about my children? How about the Native Americans, Ukrainians? How about those suffering from earthquakes and train derailments? And how about inner city kids who need educational support? How about people overcoming addictions? The list is overwhelming, right? And so the tendency might be, I can't address all of these things, so I shut down. Too much. Now, the truth is, you can't do everything. Jesus didn't do everything. He didn't heal every person on this planet forever. Directly himself. But his love and his hand is still working, and he did more through others, which is why we support others who can do more. You can't do everything. But as we also know, we can do something. <laughs> you can do something, and doing something, as we know, because we've all felt it, raises our joy, and it raises their joy. So what are those things for you? What are those things that will bring you and others closer to this ultimate joy that wouldn't it be wonderful to live in more? And this isn't just mission, loving others as God loves us. There are things like patience, support, encouragement, kindness, giving a second chance, giving a third chance, giving a fourth chance. How many chances has God given you? Love others as God has loved you. Offering forgiveness, being generous, spending time with those you love, committing to honesty, how would you want to be treated if the roles were reversed? You and the person in need, golden rule. Doing something, loving as God loves you, creates that joy. Not exactly St. Benedict. You know where you are on the path. You know where you would like to be, ideally, ultimately. And you also know the secret key. And God leaves that choice up to you with the word if. If you keep my commandments, then 
you will abide in my love. It's as if Jesus is saying our attitude towards life is what determines life's attitude towards us. May you get as close as you want. May you get closer. May I get closer. Step one, know what to do. (laughs) Step two, do it. God bless you. Amen.